Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Hallelujah. And so today, I am going to, there, there is a, a subject that um, I spoke briefly on a few months ago, and uh, it is really what the Lord has laid on my heart as a theme for the upcoming year. We'll be talking more about that, but uh, I just felt like today that we needed to really get into this a little bit in a different way and begin to talk about it. But I, I titled the sermon before Original Intent. What was God's original intent for the human race, for, for, uh, for man? What, why did he create man? And, um, you know, if you ask this question to most Christians, most Christians would say we were created to worship God. And, you know, you wouldn't be wrong, but you would be missing something that, that uh, really is the primary reason uh, for why God created man. And he told us what that reason was. It was the, the, the very thing that he said in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. He said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. He said, have dominion. That's what man was created for. And uh, do you realize, here's what, here's what most people, uh, even Christians, sadly don't realize, is that God didn't ever want to run this place. He wanted you to run this place. Praise God. He wanted man to have dominion. He wanted man to have authority in the earth. And, uh, you know, the only thing that God did not give man authority over was one another. He didn't give you authority over the person sitting next to you. He didn't give you authority over uh, your neighbors over your co-workers. He gave you authority over everything else, but sometimes it seems like that, that the only thing man wants to, to dominate is one another. But that's the one thing that you do not have dominion over. And so let's begin to dominate what he told us to dominate and, and stop trying to dominate one another. Praise God. But we're going to begin to talk about this today. If you'll go with me in Romans, the eighth chapter in your Bibles, everybody got a Bible? Hold it up. 
Hold up your Bible. You got a Bible that may be on your phone. That's okay. I understand. Praise God. That's where I'm going to be reading mine is right off here. Okay? So uh, even though I have this up here, and I might turn something in there, but primarily I'm going to be reading off the iPad. Um, but uh, we ought to bring a Bible to church so you can make sure I'm telling you the truth. Praise God. And uh, then go home and study the scriptures. Make some notes. My pastor used to always say a short pencil is, is better than a long memory. And so, uh, you know, make some notes and, and go back and, and read uh, those scriptures and meditate on them and let, let God begin to speak to you out of his word. That is the primary way that God will speak to you. Do I believe in prophets? Yes, I believe in prophets, but that's not the primary way God will speak to you. Uh, do I believe in, in the office of the teacher? Jesus gave us teachers. But that's not the primary way God will speak to you. He will speak to you by his written word. Peter said this. He said, we were with Jesus on the holy mountain, on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, we were there with him, and we heard the audible voice from heaven. When he spoke there, and he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Praise God. And so uh, he says, we heard that with our physical ears. We heard the audible voice of God. He said, but we have a, a prophetic word made more sure. So what could be more sure? You know, how many of you would like to hear the audible voice of God? I would. But you know what? This right here, Peter said, this is of greater value than the audible word of God. This is more sure than the audible word of God. Why is this more sure? Because my memory doesn't always serve me correctly. Anybody else in that camp? That your memory doesn't always serve you correctly? But you know what? Every time I open this, it says the same thing it did last time I looked at it. Praise God. Praise God. And I can refer to it anytime. If I forget what God said to me, if I forget how he said it, I can go back and I can read it again and let him speak to me again. I tell people that, that say, well, I don't ever hear from God. I say, well, you need to start listening. Because if you read your Bible today, you heard from God. Praise God. Praise God. He spoke to you out of his written word. So, if you're there in Romans chapter 8, that's sermon number 1. Let's get on to sermon number 2 today. Praise God. Romans the 8th chapter. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture we find here. Let's begin with verse number 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Notice what he says. He says, there is going to be some glory that is revealed in you. And he says, the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with that, with that glory. And he says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, let's look at that verse again. The earnest expectation of the creation... Creation itself is waiting for the revelation of the sons 
of God. Who are these sons of God he's talking about? These sons of God, that's you. That's you. He is waiting for you to get a, or creation is waiting for you to get a revelation of who you are. Praise God. And begin to walk like people that God created you to walk like. Begin to live your life in such a way that, that, that creation uh, can cooperate with you. Praise God. Now, let, let's go on. For creation was sub subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now, I'm reading there from the New King James Version. And generally, I like the New King James Version. But sometimes, you know, it, it, it would be advantageous as you study, sometimes look at some other translations. Um, in fact, one of the translations that is considered to be uh, perhaps the most, um, the most accurate Bible translation that's available to us today would be the New American Standard Version. Now, there is no translation that is going to get it right all the time. How many know that Holy Spirit gave the scriptures by inspiration. They were God-breathed. That's what the scripture says. They were God-breathed. But translators were not translating by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that they had Holy Spirit help. But uh, they were not translating by the Holy Spirit. They were translating according because they had learned the language and they read the, the language. In fact, uh, you know, there are all kinds of different translations out there that use different methods of translating the Bible. Uh, and, and so when I, I study the Bible, I often go to other translations. If there's things, particularly if there's things that I'm not getting, that I'm not grasping, I'm thinking there's got to be something else here that I'm not seeing. I'll go open up some other translation of the Bible and read it, and many times I will get something that I didn't understand before, and just a different way that it, that it says it. Um, and then another thing that I do when I'm doing my Bible study is I, I use uh, lexicons. You know, I didn't say leprechauns, I said lexicons. Uh, that is a, a uh, uh, it's like a dictionary of uh, the Greek and the Hebrew words, and I used those to find out what was the original meaning of these words. And some of the things that I that I have found out. Um, so Bible translators sometimes get punctuation in the wrong place, and when they get the punctuation in the wrong place, though all the words might be right, the punctuation put in the wrong place can change the meaning of a sentence. Right? Everybody understand that? Okay, so I want to show you something that I came across here in this, um, in the study of this passage. In, uh, let me go to the New American Standard uh, 
2020 edition. And in this edition of, of, of the New American Standard Bible, uh, Romans chapter 8 again, uh, verse number 20 says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Now, not much difference there so far. But then it, here's where the difference is. It says, In hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption. Now, let me read that uh, uh, between, do you realize that, that there is a verse change, you change from verse 20 to verse 21, in the middle of a sentence. So if you just read it like the end of the verse is the end of the sentence, then you're going to miss what he's saying there. You've got to read straight through. Because in the original language, there were no verse uh, divisions. There were no chapters and verses. You just read straight through like you would read a novel. Uh, but, but notice how he says it here. Let's, let's read the New King James, and then let's read the New American Standard. In the New King James, verse 20, he says, For the creation was subject to futility, comma, not willingly, comma, but because of him who subjected it in hope, semicolon, verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God, period. Now, what he's saying there, or what it, what it implies in reading this, he says, they were subjected in hope, and the reason it was subjected in hope is because the creation itself groans. Now, let's go to the New American Standard and read it. And I want you to notice the difference. Verse 20 uh, in the New American Standard, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, comma, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, the word because that you saw there at the beginning of verse 21 in the New King James Version, that word because can also be translated. In fact, that, that word is, uh, um, I think the correct pronunciation of this is ote, or something close to that anyway. I, I don't speak the language, but I can read a lexicon. Uh, and so um, this word can be translated as because, or it can be translated as that. In fact, in the King James Version of the Bible, that word right there is translated uh, 173 times as because, but it is translated as that 612 times. So it's a very commonly used word, and it can be translated either as because or that. The New King James chose the word because, but the New American Standard chose what I believe is the better word for that, and it is the word that. So he is... Let, let's, with that understanding, let's look at that again. He says that uh, 
for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, in hope that. You've got a verse division there. It says, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption. So he said there is, that um, creation was subjected to futility, but it was in the hope that it would also be delivered from. Now, you know, when Jesus went to the cross, he went there to redeem the human race. But why was creation subjected to futility? When did that happen? Well, that happened back in Genesis chapter 1 when he says that uh, let man have dominion. So because man fell, creation was subject to man. He gave man dominion and authority over all creation. So he says that, that uh, creation itself was subjected to futility but in the hope that it would be delivered from that futility. Praise God. And so he is telling us that creation is waiting and groaning for man to figure out who he is. And creation is reacting to 6,000 years of cursing. Do you get that? You say, well, you know, the weather conditions are getting worse and worse and worse. Was, you know, uh, and the Bible tells us that they would. It tells us that there would be earthquakes in diverse places. Uh, it tells us there would be all kinds of, of, of pains going on in the earth that, uh, uh, you know, as insurance companies call it, acts of God. Well, it's not act of God, it's act of man on what God put him over. And so um, when he says that creation was put under Adam's authority. And the, the name Adam, that word actually means man. Now, that's not the gender man, that's not male man, that is mankind, the human race. Praise God. And he says that, that creation, all of creation, all of the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, everything that creeps on the earth, over all the earth was all put under Adam's authority. Praise God. And because it was put under Adam's authority, when Adam fell... What did God say to Adam? He said, with the sweat of your brow, you're going to till the earth, and it's going to produce thorns for you. Because creation was subjected to Adam. And so i got to say this, that the, the solution to Wild, crazy weather conditions and weather problems in the earth is not legislation. The answer to the problem is revelation. Not legislation, 
but revelation. The answer is for man to begin to figure out who he is. Now, to prove that, Jesus walked on the water. Water was subject to Jesus. But did you know water was subject to Adam? Was subject to the human race. You see, God gave man a commitment. He said, you have dominion. You have authority. You exercise that authority. Adam misused that, and he used that authority to sell out. But here's what happened. Jesus came along, and the Bible calls him the last Adam. There was the first Adam that sold us out. There was a last Adam that redeemed us. Praise God. And we choose to identify with the last Adam rather than the first Adam. Because of one man's sin, many became sinners. The whole human race after Adam, that's all of us, we became sinners because of what Adam did. But in Christ, the last Adam, many are made righteous. Praise God. If you have received Jesus as your Savior, you have been declared to be righteous. Because of your association with the first Adam, you were made a sinner. But because of your association with the last Adam, you are made righteous. Praise God. Now, that's, that is, righteous just simply means that you are in right standing with God. Praise God. And Jesus came to restore what was lost in Adam. In fact, let me just point this out to you. If Jesus did not reverse everything that Adam did, then what Adam did was greater than what Jesus did. But that's not the case. What Jesus did far surpassed what Adam did. Praise God. Praise God. And now Jesus has reversed all that Adam did. Many were made sinners because of the first Adam. Many are made righteous because of the last Adam. Jesus was the first person, and, 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 and I would dare say the only person so far. Now, I'm going I'm to say so far because I believe something great is coming where we're going to begin to, and, and I'll show you why I believe it's coming before Jesus comes back. Praise God. That we're going to begin to realize who we have been created to be. Praise God. I believe that the human race is going, the, the, the believers of the human race, those who, who have chosen to identify with Jesus instead of the first Adam, are going to begin to realize who they are and are begin, going to begin to rise up. But I want you to notice, how did Jesus walk? Scripture says that we ought to walk like he walked. So how did Jesus walk? Jesus walked on water because water was subject to Jesus. Jesus had dominion over the fish of the sea. Peter came to Jesus and he said, the guys are here to collect the temple tax. Do we pay the temple tax? Jesus said, well, we don't really owe the temple tax. And he told him, you know, why they didn't know the temple tax. But he said, we don't really owe the temple tax, but lest we offend them, we're going to go ahead and pay it anyway. We're going to get along with them, and we're going to pay it anyway, even though we don't owe them. Uh, and so he told Peter, he said, go down to the seashore and catch a fish, and then look, the first fish you catch, look in its mouth, 
and there'll be a coin there that um, take that coin and pay your tax and mine. Now, the fish was subject to Jesus because God told Adam, have dominion over the fish of the sea. So when Jesus said that, there was this fish that immediately went to a place. He knew somebody dropped a coin in the water. And it's laying on the ocean floor there. And this fish goes and scoops that up and takes it to Peter. Because the fish was subject to Jesus. Praise God. There was another instance where the disciples had been fishing all night long. And they had caught nothing. Jesus comes along, he says, cast out into the deep and, and let your nets down. They said, we fished all night long and we haven't caught anything. But nevertheless, if you say so, at your word, we're going to do what you said. They went and they let down their nets again and they took in so many fish that their nets began to break. They had to call for another boat to come and come alongside them and they both filled up with fish until the boats began to sink. Why? Because the fish were subject to Jesus. Because God said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over the cattle, over all the earth. Praise God. You remember when Jesus was going to eat uh, the Passover with his disciples, and he told them, he said, go into, this is, uh, you know, where we, we find the story of the triumphal entry into to Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus sent his disciples, he said, go down there to a certain street, and you're going to find a colt tied there that no one has ever sat on. Now, how many knows what happens when you jump on a colt that nobody's ever sat on before? Anybody have any experience with that? Anybody that, that has done that? Yeah, you, you get on a colt. I've seen videos, okay? Uh, when, when you sit on a colt that has never been sat on before, he doesn't like that very much, and he, he will throw you off, praise God. And so... Uh, Jesus said, go find this colt. Nobody's ever sat on it. Loose it, bring it to me. And Jesus sat on the colt and rode peacefully into the city. Why? Because Jesus had dominion. Praise God. Praise God. Do you remember when the disciples were out to sea and there arose a great storm? This is another instance besides the one where he walked on the water. But Jesus was in the bottom of the boat asleep. And they were all terrified, so they went and woke Jesus up, and they said, don't you care that we're perishing? And so Jesus gets up, and he goes, and he speaks to the wind and the waves, and he says, peace, be still. And there was great calm. Why? Because the earth is subject to Jesus. Praise God. You know, over and over and over, we have examples of how Jesus walked in the authority that was given to Adam. 
was given to the human race. And remember, Jesus didn't come here to function as the Son of God. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't the Son of God. He was, is, always will be the Son of God. But Jesus did not function on this earth as the Son of God. He functioned on this earth as a man anointed of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's how Jesus did what he did. The reason he was able to heal all that were oppressed to the devil was because he was anointed of God, which meant God was with him, empowering him. But Jesus walked as a man. He didn't come to show us what God could do. How many know that Jesus didn't need to even come to this earth to show us what God could do? Remember the Red Sea parting? If that doesn't show us what God can do, nothing will. The Red Sea parted. You remember that, that Moses, at the Lord's instruction, he struck the rock and water came out of it. If, if that doesn't show us what God can do, then nothing will. You know, over and over we see lepers cleansed. We see miracles in the Old Testament. We see uh, these things happened and they show us what God can do. Jesus did not need to come to show us what God can do. But Jesus needed to come to this earth and have uh, his three and a half years of ministry here on this earth to show us what a man anointed of the Holy Spirit can do. And how many of you are anointed of the Holy Spirit? Jesus came and he walked on this earth and he walked like Adam was supposed to walk. Like the first Adam was supposed to walk. This is what Adam was created to do. Jesus did it. Praise God. And now, Jesus said, you ought to walk like me. <laughs> he says, you, you ought to do the things I do. He says, if you believe on me and follow me, you'll do the things I do. If you do them the way I did them, then you'll do the things I do. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. So, um, you know, I want us to see that creation was subjected to futility. In other words, creation was put under Adam's rule, and Adam mismanaged what he was given. But Jesus came along and he restored us back to that. So creation was groaning, waiting. But you see, Scripture tells us, we're going to read the Scripture here in a moment. But Scripture tells us that even though all things were put under his feet, he says, yet we do not yet see all things under his feet. Why is that? If, if Jesus put all things under our feet, why don't we see it? Because we have not got the revelation yet. Because the trouble is, most churches you go into, they'll tell you Jesus did this, but you can't. You shouldn't expect to do that. Well, you know, and even, even churches a lot of times that believe in miracles and signs and wonders, they say, well, you can't do that unless God tells you to. I just read where he told us to. 
So, so that statement wouldn't be all that. They're expecting an audible voice from God saying, do this and do this. And the scripture tells us, walk like he walked. Do the signs and wonders that he did. Work the works that he worked. Praise God. We re- they don't recognize this is God speaking. So God told us to do what Jesus did. He told us to do what he commanded Adam to do. Because God wants you to rule this place, to have dominion and authority in this place. And Jesus came to restore us back to what what had been lost in Adam's fall. Hallelujah. Now, let's, let's go here. So nature's just been responding to 6,000 years of cursing. We've got to learn to quit cursing. If you want the earth to be subject to you, quit cursing it. Quit cursing it. Well, I plant a garden, but nothing ever comes up for me but thorns. Hmm. What did you just do? You just cursed your garden. What did Jesus say the earth was going to produce for us because of Adam's fall? Thorns. But now that our authority and dominion has been restored in Christ, hallelujah, my garden's going to produce a harvest for me. Be to speak that. I don't have a garden, but... Uh, but if I did, be speaking over that garden that it's going to produce good food for me. Praise God. Praise God. The earth will cooperate with me. Now, to a certain degree, man has figured out how to make a living from the earth. Every single one of us, you make your living in some way, somewhere along the line, it all goes back to your living comes from the earth. And so, you know, whether you use materials that that uh, were dug out of the ground or whether you use materials that were cut, trees that were cut down or whether you, you uh, pump oil out of the ground or wh- whatever, uh, you know, in some way, your livelihood all goes back to the earth. And the more we learn in how to have dominion and rule over the earth, the more it will cooperate with us, praise God, to produce your livelihood. Hallelujah. That's, God created all, he created man on the sixth day of creation. He created everything else prior to that. And he did that so that the earth would be ready for man when he put him here. He was thinking about man before he ever created the, the, the earth and the plant life and the animals and all. He was thinking of man before he ever did any of that. He was making provision for man. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's go to, to uh, Genesis. Let's, let's just read what we've been quoting here. Let's read it. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. 
over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, subdue it. That's kind of the same root as subject. The earth was subjected, nature was subjected to futility. Um, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, here let's, we, we already talked about how that Jesus did that. The fish cooperated with Jesus. The, the sea, the water cooperated with Jesus for him to, to walk on. We see that the unbroken cult cooperated with Jesus. Um, now, uh, here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse number 19. He says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Give you the power, the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is why he said in Mark chapter 16, he said these signs will follow those who believe and one of the signs was they will take up serpents and, they, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. We see uh, the apostle Paul uh, demonstrating what that meant when uh, he was shipwrecked on a certain island and they were gathering sticks to put in the fire and the, a, a viper came out of, the, uh, out of the sticks and latched onto his arm and he shook it off in the fire and they expected Paul to die within a few minutes and he didn't. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, um, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 27. For he has put all things under his feet. Now, is he talking about Jesus' feet there? Or is he talking about your feet? He has put all things in subjection under his feet. Well, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews of first or second chapter, it says, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. What is who? What is man that you are mindful of him? You have put all things under his feet. Why was it under Jesus' feet? Because Jesus became man and dwelt among us. And Jesus knew what it meant to be man. Jesus knew that being man gave him authority. Praise God. And so Jesus had all things put under his feet. Now, Let's go, go back to that again. Let's read it again. 
He put all things under his feet, but when he says all things were put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. So he's talking about the, you know, what is accepted. I don't mean accepted, but I mean accepted, the exception. What is the exception to that? He, that the one who put things under his feet, under man's feet, is the exception. In other words, you've got to stay under God, not, you, you know, you, you can't usurp God's authority and God's place. All things were, the one who put things under our feet is the exception. He's not under our feet. Praise God. Now, let's go on. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. He says, you have put all things in subjection. Verse number 8, sorry. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Why do we not yet see that? Because we have not yet gotten the revelation. We have not understood. We still think that nature rules over us. But Jesus showed us that we were supposed to rule nature. Praise God. Praise God. We were supposed to rule nature. Jesus proved that to us. He exercised that, and it wasn't because he was the son of God. It was because he was the son of man. In fact, if you look at Jesus' uh, uh, ministry, almost exclusively, there are a couple of, of uh, rare exceptions, but almost exclusively, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, not the son of God, because Jesus functioned on this earth like the son of man. If he did it as the son of God, then there's little hope for you. But if he did it as the son of man, then you are also a son of man, and you can expect to do what Jesus did. Praise God, to walk like Jesus walked. Praise God. Now, I said I was going to show you why, um, you know, some people say, well, that's, in fact, I was talking to someone just not very long ago, just just a uh, uh, few weeks ago, and I was talking about this very subject here, and he said, yeah, but, you know, that's when Jesus comes back. You know, that's during the millennial reign. If you're not familiar with that term, there's a thousand-year period of time when, um, when Jesus will return, and he will set up his earthly kingdom and rule on this earth. But I'm telling you, he's going to rule here as the Son of Man. Praise God, because he became ever for eternity identified with you and I. He is forever the son of man. Yes. Praise God. And he's going to rule here as the son of man. But you don't have to wait until the millennial reign to walk as Jesus walked. Praise God. Why do I say that it, it has to happen before Jesus returns? Now, how many believe Jesus is coming soon? Yeah. All right. About half of you do. 
The rest of you, I don't know, we might need to teach on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I believe Jesus is coming soon. And if Jesus is coming soon, then we got to get this revelation before he comes. So that we can walk out what God intended for us to walk in. Praise God. Now, here he says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 13. Go back, go back there. Hebrews 1, verse 13. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand. Who did he say that to? Sit at my right hand. He said that to Jesus. When he ascended on high after he was raised from the dead, he ascended on high and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So he said that to Jesus. Sit here at my right hand. How long is Jesus going to sit at the right hand of the Father? He tells us here. Sit at my right hand till... I make your enemies your footstool. In other words, Jesus can't get up to return in the clouds until his enemies are made his footstool. Sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. We're going to get this before Jesus comes back. Praise God. Because he's not getting up because Father told him, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. Yes. So he's not getting up and coming back until we figure this thing out. Hallelujah. You know, why does Jesus not know the day or the hour of his return? Why didn't he know that? Well, you, you would think that Father would share that with Jesus. You know, we got all kinds of people that write all kinds of books about it and say, well, Jesus is coming back in the such and such date and, you know, time. And uh, uh, they always, one, one guy back in 1988 wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 88. And then in 89, he revised his book and said 89 Reasons, you know. <laughs> And uh, that guy disappeared after that. Uh, you know, we, I don't know what happened to him. But, uh, you know, people keep trying to predict that. Even Jesus doesn't know. But why didn't he know? He didn't know how long it's going to take us to get this. You know, I believe that's not a hard date on God's calendar. I believe that it is a, a, it is a fluid date that involves how serious we get about what he told us to do. Yes. Praise God. Now, there are certain things in the Bible that it says they will happen at this time, and they happen at that time. You know, Jesus came the first time to the day of when he was prophesied when he was going to come. He went to the cross to the day when it was prophesied, he was going to go to the cross. But here he says, no one knows the day or the hour. Even the son doesn't know. Only the father. Because it's a fluid thing depending on what we do. We're going to get this. Praise God. And Jesus is going to come back. Praise God. But we're going to get it first and we're going to start walking in what God told Adam to walk in. 
Praise God. We're going to figure out what it means to have the earth in subjection to us. We're going to figure out what it means to have nature in subjection to us. Praise God. We're going to walk like Jesus walked. This is why you don't need to let your heart be troubled. Praise God. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know, perilous times will come, but don't let your heart be troubled. Praise God, because you're going to walk with authority. Jesus was not terrified of the world situation. How many know that Rome was kind of running roughshod over, over Israel? They were kind of running, but Jesus wasn't worried at all about that. The Roman government didn't rule Jesus. Jesus was under a different government. Praise God. You're under a different government. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. Do I think it matters if you vote? Yes, it matters that you vote. You need to vote. But regardless of who sits in the White House, praise God, you're subject to a different government. That is the kingdom of God. You're subject to that government. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you can walk under the, in fact, you, you are the government. Do you realize that? He gave you authority over all the earth. That means you're the government. Praise God. You're the government that, you know, the, the government you're under is the government from heaven, but you are the administrator of that government on this earth. Praise God. Praise God. And the earth will respond to you just like it did to Jesus. Nature will respond to you just like it did to Jesus. Creation is groaning, waiting for you to figure it out. Praise God. And to begin to take your place of authority. That is why we are about to see the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God and move of the Spirit of God and we're going to see the most massive harvest that has ever been seen in the history of the earth because Jesus is going to sit there at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you until you begin to walk in and function in what God created for you to walk in. Hallelujah. You're supposed to rule this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to remind you. You're never going to get there as long as you buy into that idea that, well, I can't do that unless the Lord tells me to. You know, well, I believe in miracles, but we can't work miracles unless Jesus tells me to. You know, I heard someone one time say, well, you know, I really felt like I was supposed to witness to this person, but, you know, I, I really didn't. I, if the Lord tells me to, I will. I think he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Does that sound like he told you to? So we we got to quit waiting for him to tell us to. Quit waiting for a an audible voice and start listening right here because he told you to. Hallelujah. He told you to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us just to prepare our hearts.
right now for a moment. Praise God. Please sing with us. Maybe you're watching online. You have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. This is the first place that we submit to His Lordship. This is the beginning of walking in what Jesus walked in. This is the place where it all starts. See, Jesus came to this earth 
to redeem a fallen man. He came here and he paid the penalty. He paid the penalty for every sin you have ever committed, every would, ever will commit, ever even thought about committing. Jesus already paid the penalty for it. Praise God. There's only one part that, that is left to you, and that is to believe it and receive it. Praise God. So here's what we're going to do today. How do you do that? How do you receive what Jesus did for you? How do you receive your redemption? How do you receive your righteousness? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want everybody in under the sound of my voice, whether you're listening here in this room today, whether you're watching us online today live, or whether you're watching us six months from now. Uh, I want everyone to just pray this right where you are. Let's say this together. You can never confess the Lordship of Jesus too many times. So if you've already done that, well, let's do it again. Praise God. You're already saved, but let's do it again. Praise God. Say with me. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son Jesus. That he took my place and paid the penalty for my sin. He paid it in full so that I will never have to be punished for it. Jesus bore my sin in his body so that I, being dead to sin, could live under righteousness. He rose again from the dead so I could have new life. And today I choose Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen.